Welcome to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, along with my co-host, former Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox. And for the Ravens, the second season begins now, really. They're coming out of the bye week. They've played seven games. They were in first place, and now they go 10 consecutive weeks to end the season. So, Daniel Wilcox, let me ask you, as a player, how important is it mentally and physically to have this bye week? And then what's the mentality of a player when you come back in the building again on Monday after the long weekend? Well, i tell you what, Bo. I mean, that's a great freaking question. Um, bye weeks are are like the halfway point of the season. I mean, the way the Ravens have it set up this year is like the halfway point of the season, right? You know, I look at the season as quarters, as four quarters. And right now, this would be the halftime of a game. You know, so this is like halftime, like in the middle of the actual season itself. Um, I think it's perfect timing for the Ravens to get a break. I mean, as players, you know, we're mentally drained. We're physically drained. Our bodies are banged up and beat up. You know, I mean, everything needs a break. Our feet, our hands, our wrists, our shoulders, our backs, our necks. You know, everything needs a break. You know, so um, I think the coaches are also drained as well mentally and physically. So they need a break as well. You know, this is time you get a chance to spend some time with your family. Um, and then you spend the weekend with them and then you get to come back late Monday morning, not early, but a little bit late Monday morning. And then you get right back at it. But most coaches are going to keep that Monday morning time, the exact same 8 a.m. meetings, the whole nine yards, right back into the weight room, right back into treatment therapy, right back into practice. And if you're a guy that's banged up, you don't get a day off. You got to be there Saturday and Sunday <laughs> getting treatment. Right. You know, and then you'll be right back Monday morning doing the same thing. You know, so mentally, I think. The break is well needed, and um, a lot of the young guys hit a wall, you know, because they only play usually, you know, 10, 12 games in college, and now you get to the NFL, and you're playing a 16-, 17-week schedule, and all of a sudden it feels like you've already played a whole season because, you know, you forget about preseason. Preseason is another three or four games, so by now these guys don't play 10, 10, 12 games already. You know, in their mind, they're like, the season should be over with. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm ready. I'm ready for a break, you know. So then they come back, and they got to play a whole other season, you yep. know, and – um. Mentally, I think this gives the players a chance to refresh, you know, to get rejuvenated, to get excited about the game again and get ready to go back to war. It's a good point because you had three preseason games and seven games. I mean, yeah, that's a t- it's a 10-game season. It's in, now, now a lot of college teams are playing 13, 14 games, but 10 games is, for the most part, basically a college season. And <coughs> Absolutely. And excuse me, those young guys are the ones who played in those preseason games, so they're the ones that have done it. Well, let me ask you this. In baseball – you lose 14 to 2 and you know what it stinks but you turn around and you play again the next night and 24 hours later it's nothing nothing and you're starting over again in football you get throttled 41 to 17 before your bye week you have to sit on that game for 2 weeks how hard is that that's tough i mean you know you always you know in this game they always say you got to have amnesia you got to forget things instantly right you got to forget it like it never happened but I mean, everybody knows, you know, every, I mean, you don't even want to go to the mall because you already know you got your butt whooped, you know. So the really good players, you know, they're going to get back into the playbook. They're going to get back into the film sessions and they're going to study their butts off this entire week, you know, to prepare for the team they're going to play. So they don't have that embarrassment again. You know, the one thing you can say about the, the Ravens is they're always prepared. And that's what the NFL is. It's the team that prepares the better. The best is the team that wins, you know. So the Bengals just had a better game plan. I mean, it's real simple. They didn't do anything special. They got great players, just like the Ravens has great players. The Ravens have figured out a way to out-prepare everybody up until this point for the most part. You know, they got to the Bengals, and the Bengals had their card. You know, so this isn't like a, a situation where mentally you're like, man, we're not very good. This is a situation where you're like, bro, we got to prepare better. 
It's, it's real simple. And you got to sit down. You got to really reevaluate the things that you did. The coaches are going to go back to the drawing board because they know they didn't do a great job. You know, a lot of times you don't see teams where the coaching staff will step up and hey, say, hey, man, that's on me. But the Ravens is one of those organizations. They'll tell you right in team meeting, hey, hey, guys, we dropped the ball on that. You know, and that's what I've always liked about the Ravens, you know, a first class organization. And um, I mean, it usually starts at the top. So it starts with Steve Bashotti and it kind of rolls its way down. You know, your Ozzie Newsom's, you know, Eric DaCosta's, you know, your George Cocanuses, you know. And then, I mean, even Baker Copper, Copperman, you know, the freaking ticket guy is a phenomenal guy, you know. So it's like when you when you're around a great organization, you feel it, you know. When you go back, when I went back to Baltimore last summer, two summers ago for the internship, I mean, it was like I never left. Most of the people that was in there, I knew. They remember me. You know, they remember me as a player. They remember me as a person, as a human being. You know, I remember sitting down with Eric DaCosta, and he was telling me straight to my face. He was like, hey, Wilcox, you know, you did a phenomenal job. And, you know, guys, people here really like you. You know, it's a compliment to who you were as a player and who you are as a man. You know, and, and to me, to be able to Eric, – Eric was there when I was there the first time. I remember Eric. You know, he remembered me. You know, so we, we saw each other in passing. 90% of the scouting staff was there when I was there. It's crazy. You know, to see, a, to see people love an organization so much, don't want to leave. It's a compliment to to who the Ravens really are and who's who Steve Bashotti really is as a man. Yeah, and I, I you know, and, and and that's the thing. This he's often talked about the continuity of the organization, and and you're right that a lot of these faces stay the same. And I mean, DeCosta's been there forever. Joe Ortiz has been forever. You go down the scouting system, a lot of them have stayed mm-hmm. forever. So Chad Steele, yeah, and who, who, who likes who likes Chad Steele? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that guy's moved up the ranks so much. It's crazy, right? No, I love Chad. <laughs> Great guy. So go we ahead, go boy. so. The Ravens go on their bye week getting thumped by the Bengals, and they can't be feeling good about that. And then while they're sitting around, the Bengals go off and lose to the Jets. The the Steelers (laughs) beat the Browns. And the bye week, honestly, that bye week Sunday couldn't have fallen any better for the Ravens than it did, right? They come back out of the bye, and they're back in first place alone. John Harbaugh always talks about it's a week-to-week league. And anyone can beat anyone. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like a cliche until you realize it's actually true when you watch the Bengals lose to the Jets. So did that yeah. uh, when you watch that Bengals game against the Jets, did that surprise you? Is it, it did you expect a letdown no. from them coming off the Ravens win? No, it didn't surprise me at all. And, and I, I have this argument with my 16 year old son all the time, Bo. You know, I, I literally sit down with him. And he's like, man, that guy sucks. Dad. I was like, look, first of all, I get pissed off. And I'm like, hey, there's nobody in the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball that sucks. These are the best athletes in the world at what they do. I mean, they're the cream of the crop. They've already weeded out all the guys that suck. Your worst guy on every team is an All-American. He's a star. He's a phenomenal player. It's a confidence thing. It really it really just boils down to confidence. Like, who believes in you, who don't, and you start to lose a little bit of that confidence and you don't play at the high level that you normally did. You know, some guys just pour it out, and they just got it no matter what, you know, your Terrell Suggs, you know, your Ed Reese, you know, your Ray Lewis's, you know, it, it don't matter. It's, it's nothing that you can do to take confidence away from guys like those, you know, but the majority of us, you know, it's a confidence booster. I never, I, I never knew I was going to be an NFL player. Did that stop me from that being my dream my entire life? No, it didn't. I played great my entire life. I was an all American in high school. I was all state, all conference. I got to app state. I'm a hall of famer app state. You know, I was a Juco all American. You know, but it still doesn't really quite set in that you're phenomenal. You're a star, that you're a world-class elite athlete. When you get to the NFL, that's exactly who you are. Any Given Sunday is a phenomenal movie. They named it Any Given Sunday because you could take that L or that or that W at any point during the season, 
because any team can be great. Every team is a team full of all Americans. It's just about who whose chemistry is better and who prepared better week in and week out and who wants it just a little bit more than the other person. You know, um, Al Pacino said you got to fight for every inch. Right. You know, that's what it's about. It's about fighting for every single inch. Some teams only fight for every other inch. Some teams only fight for every 10 inches. You know, so it's like Ravens have always been a team to fight for every inch. I can remember Ray Lewis telling me this in the locker room. He was like, hey, Willie, before the game, he said, hey, hey, I'm telling you right now, we going to keep them under 21. All y'all got to do is score 21, and we may score one of those for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was That's what Raven football has always been about. Keep the team under 21, and then the offense will score 21 points to win the game. And that's how the Ravens have gotten to the Super Bowl twice. They have. That's true. Now, this defense this year has had some issues we'll get to, but uh, yeah. I want some more Ray Lewis imitations along the way. So let me <laughs> ask you this. This offense, right, the offense is due to get back Nick Boyle pretty soon, maybe this week. Nick Boyle's a guy, you know, blocking tight end, receiving tight end. He's been a big, big part of this offense since he got here, and they've extended his contract a couple times, and they so they put yep. their money where their mouth is with that. Got t- suffered a bad knee injury at New England last year in the rain. Now he's due to come back. He's been designated to return from injured reserve. He's been practicing. He looks good. He might return this Sunday against Minnesota. If not, it would be the following week. But when Nick Boyle returns, what does he mean to this offense? I mean, Nick Boyle is everything, I think, to this offense. He's a huge centerpiece. The offense changes when he's not in the game. You know, uh, Mark Andrews is an explosive, explosive player. You can't take anything away from Mark because Mark can start in all sixteen, all 32 teams in this league. Um, when you look at Nick Boyle, he's your traditional, like, solid foundation tight end. He's your foundation guy. He's the foundation of what the Ravens is really built on. You know, so he's a huge centerpiece to their offense and what they can do productive-wise, um, how they protect Lamar, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. And, 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 it, and it, he gives you fits. Like, he's a guy with an um, with a all-star, with an all-star ability when it comes to receiving. And you don't even think that he's a great pass catcher, but the guy is phenomenal. Hands are freaking amazing. You know, he makes catches that you don't think that he would possibly be able to make. And he moves in, in, in ways that you don't think he would make because he's a bigger guy. He's probably the biggest tight end on the team, you know, but he's a he's a run blocker. He's a pass blocker. He can run routes. He can catch balls. He can sneak right up on you and you not even realize this guy got 10 catches in one game. Because you're watching, you know, Mark catch the ball and run for 40, 50 yards after the catch, you know. But Nick Boyle is is like a staple. He's a guy that can start on all 16 teams, and everyone would be glad to have him. And he's the he's the he's the Dennis Rodman on your team, you know. He's the Dennis Rodman. He's the guy that gets all the trash buckets, the trash rebounds. The next thing you know, the guy got 20 rebounds in one game, and <laughs> somehow he's he's figured out a way to get another 20 points because he's putting putbacks up all the time. He does all the dirty work. And um, he's the, he's the unsung hero, you know, mm-hmm. he's the unsung hero. So to be able to get somebody like him, he's definitely a captain, a leader on this team. And he's the, he's, I think he's a huge part of the glue. Like people don't give tight ends enough credit, you know, we're attached to the line. We look like O-linemen sometimes. Then we kind of halfway built like a receiver. And then we're not as fast as receivers, not as tall at them. But I mean, nowadays I was a four, four, five guy coming out, you know, I ran my four four five forty. You ask the scouting department in Baltimore, they'll tell you. <laughs> of course, the tight end says tight ends don't get enough credit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, so 
Nick Boyle's a run blocker, right? This let, let's face it, this run game has not looked like the Ravens' run game has normally looked. And and of course, yeah. J.K. Dobbins out for the year, Gus Edwards out for the year, Justice Hill Absolutely. out for the year. They had to completely remake this group on the fly and basically go to it's the crazy. bargain bin and find running backs. Um, but the running backs have not impressed, right? They just haven't gotten a lot of traction and. Lamar Jackson's been the majority of the running game. What can they do to fix this running game the second half of the year? I think this bye week was detrimental to that fix. You know, um, I think these guys need reps. That's it. I mean, you go out, you go out and get some great running backs. You didn't get no slouches. You know, the Ravens, one thing they do a really good job in the scouting department is, 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 is working guys out. They work guys out every single Tuesday. They'll fly 10 guys in and work them out. So if you lose a, a running back or two, they know exactly who's out there. You know, they're phenomenal at doing that. Hey, this guy's at home on his couch. You know, you forget about Le'Veon Bell. You know, this dude was a star in the NFL. You don't think he still don't have those same capabilities. He does. He has to, like, people don't realize when when you bring somebody into a new offensive system, everything has to work. The line now has to learn the way that guy runs the ball. I have to be able to trust that if I get on the outside pad or this defensive end or this defensive tackle, that you're going to read my block perfectly and you're going to skim off my butt. I I mean, I used to be able to say, all right, Jamal, I look back there at Jamal Lewis and be like, hey, Jamal, all right, I'm going to be able to hold this guy. I'm playing against James Harrison right now. I'm going to be able to hold him for probably all of two seconds. That's it. You about to get this thing and go because I'm telling you, this dude is a, is a stud. I ain't going to be able to block him long. You know, I'm, I'm freaking 220 pounds soaking wet. And then you got this dude low to the ground and could bench press 8,000 pounds. He could throw me around like a rag doll. So I'm like, Jamal, I got, I can hold him for two seconds. I tell Jamal sometimes, hey, I'm going to cut him on this play. You know, so when you, when you get, when you get into those situations, man, and um, the, 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 the jail that the O-line has to have when you got all these missing components, you know, your, your left tackle is going, your right tackle is going, you move the right guard to left tackle, the right guard, the left, the left tackle to right guard. You, you know, it's crazy. You know, the center now, now you got your backup center in because your, your starting center is your backup right guard. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it, it messes up your chemistry and the, co- the cohesiveness of your offensive line. And these guys are like synchronized swimmers. You know, every step is the exact same, right? You know, you, you, may, you make one wrong step, and then all of a sudden the whole play is jacked up, you know? So when I step right, you step right. And when I, my right foot hit the ground, your right foot hit the ground. So if you ever just watch them on sync and put it in slow motion, you will see a pitter patter of feet like boom, 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 boom. And, it, and it's, it's consistent, you know? So when, if it's zone right, zone left, you know, these guys are all stepping the exact same way at the exact same time, putting their hands on the guys at the exact same time, almost every single play. Um, it has to be a, a brotherhood and it has to be a sense of, I trust you to the right. I trust you to the left. I got your back. You got my back. You know, and the defenses are always trying to disrupt that that synchronized swimming. You know, you have to be able to change direction, put that foot in the ground and be able to move. You know, O-Lyman are some of the best athletes out there. And when you got new running backs in that you've never blocked for, you don't know if he's going to hit this thing tight or he's going to hit it wide. But you you know when you when you run with those guys that you do it every single day, you know Justice Hill is speedy. He's quick. He's He's twitchy. You know, if even if I was late on my block, he has the speed to beat beat around the corner. I know not to hold this guy. I know not to let him up. I can let him go. Justin gonna find a way. Lamar gonna find a way to get to get past him because they're fast enough. So when you introduce new backs that don't know the system, that don't know the plays, it limits your playbook. As a coach, you say, all right, I can't run all this stuff because this guy don't know it. He just came here last week and he's playing right now. You know, and and th- no, this is a prime example, Bo. My son, you know, my son, Tristan, my 16-year-old, he hasn't played football since he was nine. He's 16 now. He's playing – the coach asked him to come out three games into the season this year, right? 
He ain't played since he was nine years old. Last time he played, Bo, he was a corner receiver. He's playing defensive end. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> you get a six three kid, four, size fourteen shoe, long arms. He, you put him in at defensive end. He's always been a finesse player. Now he has to be a thug out there on the corner on the edge. He got to be gangster. He got to be hard. He got to be tough. You know, it's it's a it's a hard mentality to, to, to kind of change, right? And then you ask him to learn defenses that he's never had to study before. He ain't played since he was eight or nine years old. You know, mm-hmm. so that's the same thing that happens to Le'Veon Bell and these guys that you bring in. You bring in these other guys, and they have they have to learn a whole new offense in three or four days. You have to introduce them to the world as a Ravens running back, and they have no idea what half the stuff is that you're calling. They miss assignments, miss blocking assignments. Um, sometimes they're trying to hand the ball off to them. They're not on the right side. They're going the wrong way. You know, you got a split second to think about this stuff when they call to play in the huddle. Yeah, and and to your point, I mean, they've gone through now on top of the different running backs and on top of missing Nick Boyle. Now they're going to have a new probably a different starting offensive line uh well now they've started three different right tackles Zeitler stayed at center or at guard Bozeman stayed at center but remember Ben Cleveland the rookie was in the mix to start at guard he's been hurt Ben Powers has played it's been a juggle throughout the offensive line yeah. and that only complicates the run game as you said Absolutely. Um, so the Ravens come out of the bye and Minnesota comes to town at three and four and we've talked about uh the fact that any given Sunday, the Ravens will be favored at home against the three and four Vikings team, but they're, they 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 know that, as John Harbaugh said yesterday at practice, or uh, he said, "Look, we're, we're five and two and we're first place, but that doesn't matter. We need to be in first place. We're five and we're first place after seven games. It doesn't matter. We need to be in first place after seventeen games, and winning this Sunday is the first step toward doing that." And he's totally right. The Vikings come in with a three and four record, but they've got talent across the board. Uh, starting with Kirk Cousins at quarterback, you've got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are, are dangerous receivers. Of course, Dalvin Cook in the backfield. And then a defense that, you know, Daniel Hunter's out for the year now. He had six sacks to lead the team, but he's got a torn peck. John Harbaugh called safety Harrison Smith one of the best safeties in the league. So the Vikings have a lot of talent. Kevin, Kevin Zeitler said their defense is built to stop the Ravens. So, uh, it will be a test for the Ravens for sure. Kirk Cousins, you might recall, was the quarterback that came in for Washington when Haloti Nada knocked Robert Griffin out of the game late in the fourth quarter of a game down in Washington. That was the Ravens Super Bowl year. And Kirk Cousins came in, led Washington on a game-tying touchdown drive at the end of that game, and then led Washington to a game-winning field goal. The, Red, the, the Ravens lost that game down in Washington and Kirk Cousins rallied Washington to the win. So John Harbaugh has mentioned that this is a team that uh, the Ravens have have history with Kirk Cousins, and he's he's 2-0 against the Ravens in his career. So Daniel Wilcox, I don't know how much you've seen of the Vikings, uh, but when you look at them, what are the biggest concerns that the Ravens have to deal with with this Vikings team? Um, I think when he says the Vikings are, are a team that was built to, to, to beat the Ravens, are, I mean – they put together a run stop. They got a run stopping defense. They understand that the Ravens is a running team, you know, so they're going to try to take away the elements that the Ravens have, you know, on the edge and up the middle, you know, to try to make it harder for the Ravens to establish a run game. I mean, what's been hard for the Ravens to establish a run game all year, you know? So, I mean, it's, I mean, when you got 16, 17, 18 guys on IR and they play for you and they actually play for you, you know, I don't care who you are. 
you know, it's going to be hard to be able to establish a run game. I think the Vikings are, are a solid organization and a solid, solid team, and they've always been great. You know, like I, we just finished talking about earlier, Bo, you know, every team is a team full of All-Americans, you know, and the, and the Vikings got their own. I mean, they got some studs over there on that defense. They got some studs over there on that offense. You know, they're going to make some special plays. And um, the Ravens are just – they just got to play like a Raven. You know, like when you just, when you play like a Raven and, you know, John Harbaugh brought this to Baltimore, played like a Raven. He came in and that was his staple. You know, and um, over the years you you buy into it. You know, like play like a freaking Raven. I mean, the, 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 from the beginning there was a Ray Lewis. You know, from the beginning there was a Jonathan Ogden. You know, so when you look back and you see that Peter Bowers and stuff, you know, and, and you 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 think that the Ravens have this aura about them, and and it's the it's this winning mentality, it's this never give up, we're gonna fight to the end type of mentality. They always going to be a hard team to beat, and when you win against Baltimore, especially in Baltimore, you feel like you just won a Super Bowl. You know, because Baltimore is a special place. You know, the energy there is different. You know, the vibe there is different. I played for three teams in the NFL, you know, and one team over in NFL Europe. And, um, you know, I remember being in New York with the Jets and hearing the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I remember hearing that. I remember being down in Tampa and hearing that cannonball go off when we scored a touchdown, you know, from the ship over in the end zone. You know, but being in Baltimore, I remember looking at, you know, just watching, you know, videos and stuff on YouTube and stuff like that prior on internet and watching games. And I remember them seeing getting get in the huddle with Ray Lewis and any hey, dogs in the house. Ooh, ooh. You're like, man, that's, that's corny. It's, that's so corny. And then you get there, you're the main one in the middle of the day. Yeah, we don't yell. No, you, 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 you amped up, man. You turned up and, and the energy when, you know, when Ray used to come out of the tunnel, you know, it was, I mean, you all, all of a sudden you just hear that, that Nelly song come on hot and, you know, mm-hmm, hot in here. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think it was Scooby, Scooby-Doo. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like he would break down and start doing the swirl. And I man, it was one of the most electrifying experiences. And when you, you know, when you go to games now, Bo, and I, I you see these games, I go sit in the stands. I've never been a fan. So I've, now I'm sitting in the stands watching games, watching my son play and going all these games. And you listen to the announcer telling the, the crowd to get, you know, to get behind the kids, get loud. And the offense, your team, you're at home and your team offense is on the field. And the Ravens fans are just so disciplined, you know, and they are quiet as a pin drop when the offense is on the field. And then when the defense comes on the field, they're electric. You can't hear nothing. I feel sorry for the other team, you know. And um, when you look at teams like Minnesota, you know, there's one of the most historical teams, you know, in the NFL, you know, go way, 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 way back, you know. and. Yep. And that's a phenomenal organization, man. You can't take anything from the city of Minnesota um, as far as their greatness. You know, we just had a chance to win a World Series here in Atlanta. And I think that was the first one since 95, 96. And um, you take for granted, you know, when you're good. You know, you really do. And you don't understand what it takes to be the best. And Minnesota has always been one of those organizations that that's try, that's that's always right there on the cusp of being the best. You know, so the Ravens have to be prepared. It's about being one and zero every week, you know, and just trying to figure out if we can get this one win. This one win is the most important win. We're not looking past anybody. That's exactly what Mar Jackson said yesterday. He said, "Well, we're just looking to come one and zero out of the break. That's our that's our goal is come one and zero out of the break." It's funny when you talk about the, um, you know, every, everyone's an All American. I, I always had this argument with people uh, when there'll be a team in the NFL that's like one in fifteen, and Alabama's running over people in college, and they say, "Would Alabama beat that team?" And I say, "No, Alabama wouldn't beat that team." Here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Alabama's got probably 
I don't know, 20, 25 guys are going to go pro. Maybe 30 guys are going to go pro on that Alabama team. You know what? That 1-15 in 15 NFL team has 53 guys that are pro. Every single guy already made the pros. So I am never of the opinion that a college team is going to come off and beat an NFL team. I think the worst NFL team would throttle the best college team, but that's always been my opinion. The Vikings, yeah. I want to. Get, it's not going to be snowy this year, but I just want to recap or rehash a little bit. The last time the Vikings came to Baltimore was one of probably the most memorable games played in the stadium. <laughs> it was back in 2013. It was mid-December, and it snowed all morning. And I remember driving to the game in the snow, which is something you rarely have to do in Baltimore in December. But it snowed. It you know it was one of these days where the field got covered with snow. It was seven to six in the fourth quarter. The Ravens were leading seven to six in the fourth quarter. And then over the last two minutes and five seconds, there were five touchdowns scored. And I'm just going to go quickly through them. Dennis Pitta scores quickly or with on a one yard pass from Flacco. The Ravens go up uh, 12 to seven in the fourth quarter on the touchdown from, uh, excuse me. So the Ravens go up 15 to 12 on the Pitta touchdown. Then Gerhardt from the Vikings, and John Harbaugh mentioned yesterday, Gerhardt played for uh, John Harbaugh's brother at Stanford. He busts off a long touchdown run about 30 seconds later, and now the Vikings are ahead. And, and, and Harbaugh even said, he's describing the game yesterday, he goes, oh, I figured we lost. They kick off, and, and yeah. Jacoby Jones, and I remember this happening. The Ravens said they identified a kick that they thought the Vikings might use that was short. And they lined up, and Harbaugh expected to be a short kick, and he's trying to get Jacoby Jones' attention to come up, and it's going to be a short kick. He turns to look at Jacoby Jones in the end zone, and Jacoby Jones isn't even looking. He's looking into the crowd, and Harbaugh said yesterday he was talking to his mom. So Harbaugh is screaming. (laughs) Harbaugh is screaming at Jacoby Jones to come running up. It's going to be a short kick. He's waving his arms, waving his arms, and Jacoby Jones literally catches the kickoff on a dead run, at the, at the 23-yard line, he gets a 77-yard touchdown return, and now the Ravens are back ahead. Maybe two plays later, there's a little dump-off pass. I think there's Cordero Patterson, maybe, and it's like an 80-yard touchdown for the Bengals and or the Vikings, and they go back ahead. This is with 45 seconds left, so you've already had four touchdowns in a minute and a half. The Ravens get the ball back. They're down 26-22. to 22. It's snowing. The place is going bananas. Flacco it's completes crazy. a couple of big passes. One of them to was was to Marlon Brown, and then on the last play of the game, with four seconds left in the game, Flacco hits Marlon Brown in the back of the end zone, and Marlon Brown, it was a tough, tough catch. He, he was a rookie too, right? He was a rookie, I believe. He was yeah. an undrafted rookie out of George. He was about six foot five receiver, and in fact, that day, he finished with seven catches for ninety two yards in that game. It was it was the it was the biggest game. It was the most productive game of his career. He never had seven catches in a game. He never had 92 yards in a game again. But he made this toe-drag catch in the back of this snowy end zone with four seconds left, and the Ravens win the game. And someone asked John Harbaugh about that game yesterday, and he just rattled these plays off one after another. And then someone said to him, did you just rewatch that game? Did you remember all that? And he said, hey, it's just ingrained in you. Certain games just get ingrained in you, and that was one of yeah. them. It was a It was wild. So... We won't have snow this weekend in Baltimore, but if it was a game like that, a memorable, crazy game like that with five touchdowns, that would be entertaining. So, all right, Daniel Wilcox. Well, we will see. The Ravens come out of the bye this weekend. 
a big game against the Vikings and, of course, looming on the schedule. You don't want to look too far ahead, but after this Vikings game, they have to go on the road on a short week, and those are never easy games to go play the Thursday night game on the road. And mm-hmm. then then they have that really, really defining schedule uh, stretch of the schedule. They play Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, back-to-back-to-back. Uh, and that three-week stretch starts later this month. So obviously they're first place now, but there's a lot still to be played. So we will touch base again next week. We'll look in. We'll recap this Vikings game, and then we'll look ahead very quickly to that game in Miami. Daniel Wilcox, thank you for your insight. We'll uh, we'll do it again next week. And for those of you listening, we hope you'll stick with us all year on the Believe in the Ravens podcast. Believe in the Ravens, baby.